My father was a drunk fish keeper that would go to the fish stores drunk and buy a lot of fish. He came home one day and said to my mother, We are getting more fish tanks. He came at me with the bulging fish eyes and says, Alex, you're entering the hobby and getting a fish tank. Mom yells and says, No. He says, Why so serious? <laughs> that is how Aqua Alex got in the fish hobby. You're listening to the Aquatic Wetline, a tropical fish-keeping podcast hosted by 23-year-old fish keeper Aqua Alex Cardinal. For three years, we've provided you with quality tropical fish information, and we'll continue providing some information on freshwater and saltwater tropical fish. Let's dive down deep into the aquarium and chat fish. Live from its fish room is Aqua Alex. Aquatic Wetline is now live. Hey, how you doing? You know, it's not that easy, you know what I mean? This whole Easter thing, you know? I mean, first of all, I gotta, like, you know, paint all of these eggs, get messy with all that, right? And then I gotta go, you know, hop around with my basket of eggs, hiding them in everybody's backyard, right? It's not that easy. I'm exhausted midway through the whole ordeal. Oh, and, you know, don't mention the fact that Fido, you know, a spike, might be chasing after me while I'm delivering eggs. But I do it for the kids. That's right. I do it for Easter. So enjoy your day. Happy Easter, everybody. Yeah, you were expecting maybe the Easter Bunny? Good Friday evening, Tropical Fish Keepers. Welcome to a very special episode of Aquatic Wetline, the Fish Keepers podcast, hosted by a fish keeper for fish keepers. It's the weekend. It's a very special weekend because it's Easter weekend. All of us are going to be enjoying the good weather, some good meals with our family, and some delicious candy. But what about our fish? Give them some treats from yourfishstuff.com with foods like freeze-dried krill, brine shrimp flakes, black worm sticks, etc. I'm your host, Aqua Alex Cardinelli, here live in my fish room on this Good Friday, just two days before Easter and one day before our historic debut of Aquatic Wetline Trivia Game. Happy Easter, fish keepers, from Aqua Alice Cardinelli, Aquatic Wetline, Bill Arndt, and YourFishStuff.com. It's spring, which means it's great weather. Time to set up those outdoor ponds. It is also Easter, one of the most joyful holidays of the year. On this episode of Aquatic Wetline, Join me as I present to you a very special Easter-themed aquarium fish-keeping show packed with plenty of awesome tropical fish chat. Here is what is planned for this special episode of Aquatic Wetline. 
Sorry about that, folks. My phone line went down for 20 minutes. I hate when that happens, but we seem to be back and uh, running good again. So tonight on Aquatic Wetline, I'm doing a very special Easter-themed edition of Aquatic Wetline. Happy Easter to all the fish keepers. And I'm a few minutes behind my A-game, a few minutes behind the show. Actually, I'm... 20 minutes behind, so we're going to have to get started pretty soon. So here is what's planned for this special episode of Aquatic Wetline. I'm going to have a discussion on Easter-themed aquarium fish. I'm going to be discussing some fish that I think represent Easter. It may be their colors or their spring personality. I'm also going to have a discussion on Easter bunnies of the aquarium world, rabbit fish. There is only one species of fish that is really close to being a bunny. That is the Saganus rabbitfish family. It's a saltwater species of fish that is very popular in the aquarium hobby. They eat algae and have many different species. Find out about the different species and how to keep and care for them. Discussion on treats you can give your fish. We get to have delicious Easter candy, but what about the fish? No worries, I have you covered. I will go over some treats that your fish are going to love. Discussion on setting up ponds and everything you need to know. It's that time of year again. If you love goldfish or koi or, or, or are a fish fanatic, it's time for you to pull out the water and fill the pond. I will discuss some tips I was given from a friend of mine for setting up a pond and chat about goldfish and koi. And for some added fun, we're going to have some off-topic Easter discussion where I'll be discussing candy and other Easter chat. So it's, for, it's, going, to be so, it's going to be for some fun later on in the show, so please join me for that. Happy Easter, everybody, and let's begin this fun Fish Keeping Good Friday special here live right now on Aquatic Wetline. All right, so I'm going to start with some fish that represent Easter and spring. Before I begin naming fish, I'm going to start by telling you about the personality of the season spring and Easter, so it will give you a good idea of what fish to choose and for you to understand why I chose said fish. So, seasonal personality and color. The spring personality, warm colors. A spring person can be brunette, blonde, or redhead, but will never be very dark or heavy. They are light on their feet and have an indefinable quality of lightness to their being. Lively, vivacious, Evervescent and impulsive, the spring personality has a great deal of charm. They may have lots of fresh ideas, but could have too many projects going at once. They make friends easily, are positive, and have natural energy. Colors of the spring are warm and clear. They can also be bright. The ideal palette for the spring personality will include soft peach, cream, or turquoise, alongside the brighter scarlets, cobalt, or sky blues, warm emerald greens, and pure yellows. 
So off of that spring personality and spring colors, here is my list of Easter-themed fish. I invite you to come up with your own list of Easter fish and then post them on my Facebook group, Tropical Fish Keepers of Aquatic Wetline. So I invite you, my listeners, to come up with your very own uh, Easter tropical fish list from the personalities and colors that I just mentioned and post it on my Facebook group, Tropical Fish Keepers of Aquatic Wetline. So I'm going to start with saltwater fish that I think represent spring and Easter. One of the first fish I think of as soon as it says blonde is one of my favorites and a fish that I'm going to have in my 125-gallon saltwater tank. That is the blonde naso tang. The blonde naso tang, also known as the orange spine unicorn fish, darkens with maturity. As a juvenile, it is gray with a yellow stripe on both the dorsal and anal fin. When matured, the body takes on a darker bluish-gray tone, and the juvenile striping is supplemented with additional color. The tail takes on a lyre shape, and two yellow patches appear at the penduncle spines near the tail. A thin black mask forms between the eyes and mouth, and the lips develop a yellow color. Nasotangs from Hawaii are often more brightly colored than those found in other areas. Another fish I feel represents spring and Easter is one of the most popular saltwater fish, and that is the yellow tang. The yellow tang is, for many aquarists, the definitive fish of home saltwater aquariums. With its oval-shaped, vibrant yellow body, the yellow tang brightens any marine system. Another fish that has Easter colors is one of my favorite kinds of tangs, not one that every fish keeper has. It's a Atlantic Caribbean blue tang. Now, the blue Caribbean tang, also known as the Atlantic blue tang, has an oval body with bold markings that change as the fish matures from juvenile to adult. A juvenile is bright yellow with two blue bands at the eyes and additional blue markings at the fringes of the dorsal and cattle fins. When mature, the blue will become even brighter with markings running horizontally along the entire body. It may have a yellow tail. I also want to remind listeners that the Caribbean slash Atlantic blue tang is not a blue hippo tang. It actually is a different species of tang. It's in the same family of the tangs that have orange shoulder tanks, Tanini tangs, uh, and powder brown and powder blue tangs. And it's, it's very easy to keep, much hardier than the blue hippo tang. Now, speaking of the blue hippo tang, there is a species of blue hippo tang that I think is best for Easter, and that is the yellow belly blue hippo tang. The yellow belly hippo tang is a gorgeous color variant of the popular blue hippo. Though it shares the attractive coloration of the normal hippo, the yellow belly regal blue tang boasts a richer, deep blue coloration and a brilliant yellow, yellow coloration that covers a greater part of the body. The yellow coloration most prominent on the uh, tail 
continues across the belly region, giving the yellow belly regal blue tang an exciting boost in color. You guys are going to notice that a lot of saltwater tangs are going to make the list because tangs are one of the most beautiful uh, fish species in the saltwater hobby. Powder brown tang is also known as the J Japan surgeon fish and white face surgeon fish. has a brown body with a white mark on the cheek between the mouth and the eyes. Powder blue tang. The powder blue tang, also known as the powder blue surgeon fish, has an oval body shape with extremely colorful, bold markings. It is prized for its vivid colors and bold markings with several varying shades of blue accented by yellow and white. Bright yellow highlights the dorsal and pectoral fins and striking blue-black markings outline the face and tail. All right, so that's enough of tanks. Now we're going to get to other saltwater fish that uh, have um, spring and Easter personalities. One of my favorite damsel fish, the azure damsels. Now the azure damsel, also known as the half-blue damsel, is a two-tone darting marine fish. The front portion of the body is bright blue. The posture portion, anal fin, and tail are yellow. There is a species variation in the amount of yellow on the body of the fish. Royal Grama. The Royal Grama basslet brings an explosion of color to any saltwater aquarium. It has a bright purple to violet colored anterior, contrasted by a vibrant yellow posture. Saddleback Butterfly, one of my personal all-time favorite saltwater fish. I will be owning one of these very soon. The Saddleback Butterfly, also known as the Saddle Butterfly, has a large black saddle with a white border on the rear upper corner of the body and dorsal fin. Orange coloration is found on the lower half of its face, as well as outlining the black tail. The base color is gray with several blue-gray stripes on the lower body. Bicolor Angel. The Bicolor Angel, also known as the Two-Colored Angel, is a vibrant yellow on the interior half of its body and a deep blue on the posture half. A splash of deep blue extends upward vertically from the eye to the top of the head, and its tail is yellow. Milanoris Rass. The body of this fish is blue-green in color and has pink or yellow stripes running horizontally across its side. The color of the juvenile is more muted. And those are all of the saltwater fish that I think resemble Easter and spring. All right, so let's get to the freshwater Easter and spring-themed aquarium fish. Perhaps the best fish I've ever kept in the aquarium hobby, and my number one favorite freshwater fish, the Wide Bar Silver Dollar, also known as the Emperor Blue Hook, Hooks. Now, this Silver Dollar has an Emperor Blue Anal Fin, also known as a hook on my Leah Silver Dollars. It has a very thick wide bar, and it gets a very nice orange stomach, a very, very nice fish. If you've never seen a wide bar silver dollar, I really recommend doing a Google search 
And if you see any in your area and you have a freshwater tank with cichlids, they make perfect dinner fish, so you may want to give them a try. Um, they're very, very beautiful. Now, glowfish are the perfect spring fish, especially the cosmic blue tetra, the starfire red tetra, the moonrise pink tetra, and the galactic purple tetra, or galactic purple. Now, as we mentioned uh, last week on Tropical Fish Mania, um, these glowfish are not hybrids. They're not man-made. They're just injected uh, as larvae with uh, jellyfish or coral DNA. So they are real fish, and they are not um, altered or anything like that. So, again, cosmic blue tetra, starfire red tetra, moonrise pink, and galactic purple are some examples of goldfish that are perfect for Easter and spring. Electric blue cichlid, the African one, is a very nice fish. There are some very cool bettas that would make for an amazing spring Easter aquarium. Neon blue dwarf garamis are stunning. I should get one for my 20-gallon. Blue diamond discus are stunning. Neon blue discus. Wild Tiffy Green Discus, Red Marble Discus, Green Phantom Pleco, Royal Pleco, Gold Nugget Pleco, Electric Blue Acara, Firemouth, Chocolate Cichlid, Red Iran Ravenfish, Neon, Neon and Cardinal Tetras, Romino's Tetras, and Bleeding Heart Tetras. Those are all fish that I think personally um, represent Easter and Spring. Okay, it's time to find out about the Easter Bunny of the aquarium hobby. So it's time for the fish-keeping Peter Cottontail to make an appearance. The only fish that I can think of that are close to the Easter Bunny are the saltwater rabbit fish. I love this species of fish. If you have a saltwater tank or had one, then you know that these fish are gorgeous and have also personalities, but you also know that they are a peaceful fish that eats algae, just like a bunny eats grass. If you don't know about rabbit fish, be prepared to learn about this wonderful species of fish. Rabbit fish belong to the family Saganus. Some of the most popular rabbit fish in the aquarium hobby are fox face species, decorated rabbits, coral rabbits, etc. The genius Saganus is compromised of 26 or 27 species of fish and a couple of hybrids, all of which are commonly known as rabbit fish. But depending upon who you ask, you might get 26 or 27. Also called spine foots by some, these can make great additions to appropriately sized aquariums and are well worth a look. As they're generally attractive, relatively peaceful, and easy to care for. They also tend to be great allergy eaters and are typically much hardier than the ever popular surgeon fish or tangs. 
to start, there's sometimes a bit of confusion about the rabbitfish's name due to the fact that five of the Saganus species used to be placed in the genius low. The genius low fox faces no longer exist, and now the fox faces are under the Saganus um, genius. These five species are Saganus, Magnificent, uh, Saganus magnificus, the magnificent fox face, Saganus niger, a very rare species of fox face, Saganus volapinus, Saganus eulomacolitus, the one spot fox face, and Saganus uspi, the bicolor fox face. But you can still find them being called low magnificus, etc., from time to time. Really, the only obvious distinctive feature these species share is that they all have a somewhat elongated snout relative to the others and are oftentimes called fox faces or fox face, rabbit fishes, rabbit spine foot, and fox face. Anyway, aside from their names, there's something else quite unique about Saganus species, as they're one of the few types of venomous fish that oftentimes end up in aquariums. They all have venom glands associated with the spines in their fins, and if you get stuck by one, it's going to hurt very badly. If cornered, panicked, or handled improperly with your hands, they can give you a painful reminder that they're venomous. But fortunately, it won't kill you unless maybe you happen to have some unusual allergic response to the venom or get a mortal infection of the wound. However, after doing a through online search, I wasn't able to find any reports of this happening. In fact, I wasn't able to find a single case of someone being hospitalized after being spiked either. From personal experience, I can tell you that being stung by a sock face is no joke. It's actually a very, very strong pain. Um, I would call it similar to a, a two-degree burn or a second-degree burn because it burns for a while. But once you apply warm water or hot water to the sting spot where you got stung, um, it goes away. But then it, then it, after the pain, I mean, after you remove from the hot water, you don't feel the venom anymore, but you still have a few aches and pains here and then. So... You have to be careful uh, when dealing with a fox face in a marine aquarium because they can stick their venom in you. Regardless, there are a couple things to do if stung by a rabbit fish, one of which is getting professional help. I haven't done that, and I should have. So um, if you guys get stung by a rabbit fish, make sure you get help if you feel that you need it. I realize I just pointed out that the chances of receiving a serious injury are slim, but that if it's an envenomation, is treated properly. But oh, excuse me, I said, but yeah, but that's if an envenomation is treated properly. Avoiding professional help or neglecting such an injury can be very painful and might lead to real trouble. So a trip to the doctor is still highly recommended. 
Still, before you head out the door, note that applying some hot water therapy can help to relieve the pain almost immediately. The venom is a heat-liable protein, which means it can be broken down very effectively by exposure to heat. So you can soak or bathe the injured body part in water that's as hot as you can stand in order to reduce or eliminate the venom's effects. This is normally around 110 degrees to 150 degrees Fahrenheit, 15 degrees Fahrenheit, but should not be any hotter as you'll risk scolding yourself and making matters worse. Of course, the sooner you can get to a doctor, the better, and upon arrival, it is important to report exactly what kind of fish got you. You should not assume that a doctor knows what a rabbit fish is, though, so explain if necessary. Then you'll likely receive a continuing hot water treatment for 30 to 90 minutes and may get a shot of anesthetic if the pain is severe. The wound should be elevated to help reduce any swelling, too. Now, you might think that you can do this yourself. You can. But in all cases where a skin-breaking wound is caused by a marine organism, tetanus is required, if not already up to date. It is well documented that tetanus has caused deaths following marine organism-related penetrating wounds. But enough about stings. Just don't go near a rabbit fish's spine. Next is the rabbit fish's ability to camouflage themselves as another means of staying alive. All of them can dramatically change their appearance at will and typically do so when sleeping or when frightened. Regardless of their normal overall coloration, which is often quite bright, they can lose it and take on a splotchy appearance that's not colorful at all and often looks more like military camo. Now, I have to admit to you guys, I really like that when the uh, rabbit fish and fox face are in the military camo. It's pretty cool. And usually at nighttime when they're, when they're going to go to sleep, that's when they're in that coloration. Or when you first buy a new fox face or a new rabbit fish, they're going to get that military camo. It's re- really nice. I think so. You might not think that, but I really think that a uh, rabbit fish and military camo is pretty cool. Now, when hiding out, especially in rock work and in the, in the branches of corals, these patterns can be very effective and do quite a good job of making the fish more difficult to see. So don't automatically be alarmed if you use a flashlight to look in your aquarium when the lights are off and can't seem to find one. Lastly, these are all primarily algae grazers. However, many will also eat some meaty food items, as some will include tunicates, sponges, and corals in their diets. Yes, corals. Here are the commonly offered species in the aquarium hobby. Saganus fulpinus, the regular fox face. This species is commonly called the fox face rabbit and is the most commonly offered species of the group. It can reach a maximum length of 10 inches, but it is more commonly less than 8 inches. It has a broad distribution being found in the Philippines, Indonesia, New Guinea, the Great Barrier Reef, Vantu, New Caledonia, the Coraline Islands, Islands, the Marshall Islands, Tonga, and Kerbati. Juveniles live in large schools around reefs, 
but adults live in isolated pairs or sometimes singly. One of my personal favorite Saganus species, Saganus unimaculatus. This species is called the one-spot fox face or blotched fox face, and it's very similar to the regular fox face with the exception of having a single black spot on either side of its body. It grows to a maximum length of about 8 inches. Now, the one-spot fox face is found all over the world, from the Philippines, Western Australia, and the Raikou Islands. And again, juveniles live in large schools, but adults live in isolated pairs. Now, one-spot fox faces, in my experience and in my brother's experience, they grow very large very quick. Um, we br- he bought his fox face when it was about probably four inches, and now it's close to six and seven inches. It's a very, very uh, nice fish, and it's very peaceful, and it has a lot of coloration. So if someone were looking for a regular fox face, I would steer them towards a one-spot fox face just because I think that spot adds some more coloration to the fox face. Tagonis coralinus. This species is commonly called the coral rabbit fish or blue-spotted spinefoot and can grow to a maximum length of almost 14 inches, making it one of the bigger rabbit fishes. Still, it's most commonly less than 8 inches in length and can be found around Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore, Vietnam, the Philippines, Paulu, Kerbati, Papua New Guinea, Australia, Vantu, New Caledonia, and around the Solomon Islands, the Raikou Islands, the Agasara Islands, the Aldobra Islands, and more. They have a lot of uh, locations that they cover. Some of these I can't even pronounce, so I'm just going to skip past them. But we'll say that they have a wide range of locations that they cover in the ocean. The juveniles are typically found in small schools around reefs and seagrass beds, but adults usually live in isolated pairs around shallow coral reefs. Juveniles may also school with other species, such as Saganus pulis, Saganus punctuus. This rather large species is commonly known as the gold-spotted rabbit or gold-spotted spinefoot, and can reach a maximum length of almost 16 inches, with most individuals staying under 12. And it can be found around the Philippines, Australia, Indonesia, Singapore, Taiwan, Pali, the Raikou Islands, the Aquasara Islands, the Marana Islands, the Coraline Islands, and the Kamping Maranga Islands, as well as the eastern edge of the Indian Ocean, the Gulf of Thailand, and the South China Sea. This species also schools in shallow estuaries when young, but is found in isolated pairs in lagoons and on deeper reefs when mature. Saganus uspi. This smaller species is commonly known as the bicolored fox face and reaches a maximum length of about 9.5 inches. 
Unlike many of the other species, it also has a rather small geographic range, being endemic to Fuiji, with a few being reported around New Caledonia. Regardless, the juveniles do live in schools, with adults living in isolated pairs, in deep pools, inside reef crests, and around drop-offs at reef edges. Saganus dualis. This species has a lot of common names, typically being called the blue-lined rabbit fish, but also by going by the name scribbled rabbit, pencil streak rabbit, two-bar rabbit, and beard spine foot. They can reach a maximum length of almost 10 inches, but like the first three species above, they're more commonly less than eight. It can be found in the Indian mainland area and from Australia and Tonga north to Palu and Cosray. Juveniles do form schools, typically in sand grass areas, and they pair up at a relatively small size. However, they may still travel in loose schools, oftentimes with other fish, such as Senegonus uh, pulius, until they're full-sized, at which they stop schooling and live as isolated pairs. Ciganus virgatus. This species is typically called the two-barred rabbit, virgate rabbit, or barhead spine foot, and it can reach a maximum size of about 12 inches, with most being closer to 8. It could be found around southern India, Sri Lanka, and the Andaman Islands. Small juveniles are found in small groups in mangrove areas and estuaries, sometimes entering freshwater. That's pretty cool. So um, in the wild, the uh, um, Synagonus virgatus can enter freshwater. That's pretty cool. Now, here is my personal favorite rabbit fish that is not a fox face. It is the Synagonus pulius. This species is called the masked rabbit, decorated rabbit, and masked spine foot. And it is quite large with a maximum length of 15 inches. Most commonly, they're closer to 10 inches, so he's going to love the 125. It's found in the Indian Ocean around the Cuckoo's Keeling Islands and Western Australia and the Western Pacific from the South China Sea to the Gilbert Islands, north to the Raikou Islands, south to the Southern Great Barrier Reef, and New Caledonia and Tonga. Juveniles form large schools, often mixing with other rabid fish. Aquarium care. Rabid fish are categorically tough when it comes to dealing with disease and less than perfect water quality, being as hardy as any other fish we commonly keep in our aquariums. However, it is important to feed them well and give them the right foods. All of these are, are primarily algae grazers in the wild, with juveniles tending to eat smaller types of algae and, feeding, and adults feeding on larger and tougher seaweeds and such. However, many will also feed on a variety of invertebrates, including sponges, tunicates, and corals, especially if they're hungry and there is no suitable algae to be found. Thus, it is important for you to give them plenty of plant matter in their diet, which may be primarily plant-based flake or frozen cube food, if you prefer. Spirulina flakes are also good, 
as is dried seaweed, such as nori and kombu. If you use the latter, make sure to buy unseasoned types, though, as you don't want to dose your fish with any sorts of additives, preservatives, etc. Of course, they'll also eat meaty foods, including various types of zooplankton, brine shrimp, bits of fish, clam, shrimp, etc. So, you can obviously feed them a wide variety of foods in an aquarium. They'll typically get some of their own food by picking at algae growing on rocks and such in an aquarium, and thus can be great aquarium cleaners too. When it comes to eating corals, things can be hit or miss though. While looking around online, I found a numerous stories of a rabbit fish being fine in a reef aquarium for some time, even for more than two years, and then starting to eat both soft and stony corals. They oftentimes go after things like zoanthids and bottom polyps first. When it comes to compatibilities, rabbit fish will typically get along fine with anything else that's not a rabbit fish of the same or similar species. However, you should always be aware that, like any other type of fish, each individual can have its own personality, and every once in a while, even the supposedly nicest fish can become a problem. Regardless, while juvenile rabbit fish typically live in schools in the wild, trying to keep two or three the same species of any of these in one tank will usually lead to fighting. However, if the tank is big enough, and several small individuals of similar size are added simultaneously, their schooling nature sometimes overrides their aggression, and they may get along at least for a while. In general, you'd need at least four or five at once, and even that won't guarantee peace. So I think it's a, it's a bad idea to try unless you have a really big tank. However, I have personally... Uh, successfully kept three or four fox face together. And right now, at the moment, I have two uh, Sagana species together. I have uh, one spot fox face, which is my brother's, and I have the decorated uh, rabbit fish. And they're doing fine together. They are eating together and swimming together. So it can be done. Now, when you add another Sagana species to a tank that already has one, you can expect a little bit of bickering. They're going to fight for a little while. But after a day or two, or sometimes even three days, it will settle down. Now, if you're going to try adding another fox face or another Senegana species to your tank that has a fox face, I recommend getting one a little bit smaller or around the same size. That way, um, there won't be such an issue as in fighting. All right, and that's what I plan on doing on my 125 that I'm going to be getting. I'm going to have a magnificent fox face, the one spot, the decorated rabbit, and possibly uh, a bicolor fox face. It's going to be a very, very cool tank. And that is the Easter Bunny of the Aquarium Hobby, Cetagonus species, the rabbit fish. Now, if you have a saltwater aquarium, I personally am going to go out here on a limb and say that you should add a rabbit fish to your aquarium. I personally think you're going to love the rabbit fish. They are a very cool fish, and they'll begin eating out of your hand. I've been able to um, get my rabbit fish to eat out of my hand, although it is quite dangerous um, because of their, because of their 
uh, spines, if you work cautiously and be aware of their spines, you'll have a lot of fun. We'll do a whole show on uh, the different species of Cynagontis, but I thought it would be a cool idea to talk about this species of fish tonight because it is Easter, and most people in America know Easter for the Easter Bunny and for God and Jesus and stuff, so I figured that would be a good topic for tonight's show. So another Easter tradition that we have here in the United States of America is candy and Easter baskets. So us humans are going to have some wonderful candy treats and goodies. So what about our fish? What kind of goodies can our fish have? Right now I'm going to go ahead and talk about some treats you can give your fish for Easter. Your Fish Stuff Freeze-Dried Krill. YourFishStuff.com are quite proud of their freeze-dried krill, as it is some of the finest krill you'll ever see. Freshly dried and packed, it comes straight to your door. It is one of YourFishStuff.com's most popular fish food, and for good reason, as our freeze-dried krill has unique nutritional qualities that make it a perfect food for many tropical fish. An excellent source of nutritional acetoxin will bring out the natural colors of your fish. And its high protein, lipid, and mineral content promote good health and conditioning. Harvested from the clean, cool waters of Antarctica and dried here in the United States of America, you will not find a higher quality krill. All types of fish enjoy krill, from freshwater to saltwater, cichlids to koi. This Antarctica ocean relative of the shrimp is a crustacean, which is a part of many fish's natural diet. It can be taken whole by larger fish or crushed by hand for smaller fish. YourFishStuff.com is proud to provide fish keepers with quality freeze-dried krill. Prices. A quarter of a pound of freeze-dried krill, $9.99. A half pound is $17.99. One pound is $34.99. Two pounds is $67.99. And five pounds is $159.99. You can find the freeze-dried krill in the freeze-dried food section of YourFishStuff.com or simply go to www.YourFishStuff.com forward slash freeze-dried krill. Your Fish Stuff Freeze-Dried Ground Troop Large cubed brine shrimp that can be broken into smaller sized chunks. Brine shrimp pressed into a tube shaped tree. Large fish can devour it whole while small fish can pick it apart. Make addition fish for breeding. High quality foods are a must. Brine shrimp 
is an excellent conditioning food as well as a perfect treat for any fish, fresh water, or salt water. Warfishstuff.com is proud to present to you the aquarium hobbyist quality freeze-dried brine treat prices. A quarter of a pound is $10.99. A half pound is $20.99. One pound is $39.99. Two pounds is $74.99. And five pounds is $182.99. To see the freeze-dried brine shrimp and all of the other freeze-dried fish foods available, go to yourfishstuff.com forward slash freeze-dried or to simply purchase or purchase a freeze-dried brine shrimp, go to yourfishstuff.com forward slash freeze-dried brine shrimp. Blackworm flakes. Blackworm flakes are a special flake food made to please. Any good fish breeder will tell you that blackworms are terrific for bringing any fish into good spawning condition. Fantastic and fresh. Compare our ingredients and see the difference in your fish and the clarity of your aquarium water. We don't use low-cost fillers that just contribute to higher maintenance time and cost. Better quality food will save you time, effort, and money in the long run. Your fish will look fantastic, your water will be cleaner, and you will not have to clean or place your filter pads as often. All of our foods are made in small batches of 100 pounds or less and manufactured in USA using high quality ingredients grown and processed in the United States of America. This process results in very fresh and large flakes with no preservatives, no small powder flakes that clog your filters. High quality fresh large flakes your fish are sure to love. Prices for a quarter of a pound, $6.99, half a pound, $9.99, one pound, $16.99, two pounds, $27.99, and five pounds, $66.99. To find the black worm flakes, other flakes like tropical flakes, brine shrimp flakes, and krill flakes, go to yourfishstuff.com forward slash flake foods. Some treats that you can give to your fish from our sponsor, yourfishstuff.com. And I highly recommend going to yourfishstuff.com and purchasing some awesome homemade quality fish food made right here in the good old USA. But for some other treats that you can give your fish, if you have a saltwater tank, I really recommend a brand called LRS. That is simply the best frozen food that you can give to your saltwater fish. Some other treats that are perfect for holidays include market shrimp. Now, market shrimp is the raw shrimp that you get from your seafood department at your grocery store. You want to make sure that you get the market shrimp that is raw. Don't buy cooked shrimp 
because cook shrimp is not good for the fish. Because as the shrimp cooks, it loses all its protein and all its nutrients. And you want as much nutrients and protein that you can give your fish. You can also give them clam meat. You can also give them uh, scallops. You can also give them um, crab legs and things like that. Because there is something in the crustaceans. There is an enzyme in the crustaceans that helps brighten red colors, orange colors, and overall general coloration in a fish. I have been using uh, crustaceans as part of my fish diet for probably 10 years or so, and I've noticed that when I fed them crustaceans, they have grown really quick and have had the best coloration. So I highly, highly recommend to you guys that you consider trying market shrimp and clam meat and things of that nature. It really uh, is fun to feed because if you have fish like lionfish, moray eels, puffers, or on the freshwater side, oscars, jack dempseys, arowanas, it's cool to see the predatory fish eating and they don't have to work as hard to get food like they would have to in the wild. Now, you could also feed earthworms, nori, and other kinds of food. So make sure that your fish are not left out this Easter, and go get some treats for them tomorrow. They're going to really appreciate it. So I would like for all of my fish-keeping listeners to head to their fish stores tomorrow and buy some fish food, or you're probably going to go grocery shopping last minute anyway, so why not pick up some food from the seafood department? All right, so I think it's time to take a quick intermission here on this Good Friday afternoon episode, or Good Friday evening episode, and today is Good Friday. We are just two days away from Easter. But before we go on break, I would like to tell you guys that tomorrow night, uh, April 15th, at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 uh, 8 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Mountain, and 6 p.m. Pacific, live, I'm going to be debuting the very first Aquatic Wetline Aquatic Trivia Game. And tomorrow, we're going to have the very first two Aquatic Wetline Champions. Now, I'm very excited because I am... I am very excited because I am one of the first and probably only fishkeeping podcast that is doing these um, trivia shows, aquatic trivia shows. There's going to be two prizes. The first prize is sponsored by YourFishStuff.com, and it is five pounds of fish food. And the second prize, the winner of the second place prize, will have the opportunity to choose from different prize options. One of the prize options is a live betta and betta fish food. So there's going to be eight contestants entering, but only two walk out as the first ever Aquatic Wetline Champions. So it's going to be a good listen and a fun show. So make sure you tune in tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on Aquatic Wetline. Okay, it's time for a quick intermission. 
during this intermission, there will be a few songs and then some infomercials. Coming up next here on this very special Easter-themed episode of Aquatic Wetline, I'm going to have a discussion on setting up ponds because it is that time of year now where we're going to open up our ponds and stock it with goldfish. Here are my tips on how to start your own pond, how to open up a pond, and goldfish and koi chat. And there will also be some fun Easter chat that's live next, right after this intermission. We're going to hear a song from Place the Bow called Running Up That Hill, since it is Easter, and Easter is a, a religious holiday. And then we're going to hear a song from Living Color called Cult of Personality. Let's go, folks.
achievements that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand.
Aquatic Wetline is brought to you by YourFishStuff.com. YourFishStuff.com provides hobbyists with quality homemade fish food and aquarium supplies. The Your Fish Stuff difference. Buy direct and save. Buy direct from Your Fish Stuff. No middleman, no food masses produced by large corporations, no food sitting around in warehouses. Just fresh, healthy food from your fish stuff to you. Quality ingredients like fish meal, shrimp, squid, kelp, spirulina, and corella algae. Doesn't cloud water. And all of their fish food is made fresh, crafted in small batches, hobbyists owned and operated. And all of their fish food is made right here in the good old U.S. of A. So check out YourFishStuff.com for quality fish food and aquarium equipment such as nets, filters, medications, and more. That's www.YourFishStuff.com, a proud sponsor of Aquatic Wetlines. To join your fishkeeping group called Tropical Fish Keepers of Aquatic Wetlines. I invite you to post pictures of your tropical fish, post videos of your tropical fish, post links to your fishkeeping YouTube channel, or just chat fish. One of the added benefits of this group is I'm going to do a Facebook Live fish video every Sunday, starting the first Sunday of March. So make sure you go and join Tropical Fish Keepers of Aquatic Wetline on Facebook. Not only to post pictures of your fish, chat fish, but to see me live on Facebook in a Facebook Live video every Sunday. So what are you waiting for? Go join right now. Tropical Fish Keepers Aquatic Wetline on Facebook. Aquatic Wetline and Tropical Fish Mania will rise in 2018. Saturday, April 14th, 2018, Aquatic Wetline presents Tropical Fish Mania 2. Which fishkeeping superstars will be on Tropical Fish Mania 2 to talk about the fish they love? Which fish will become the second Tropical Fish Champion on Aquatic Wetline? Plus, Will Tropical Fish Mania 2 be broadcast live on location or somewhere? Find out next year as Tropical Fish Mania 2 takes place Saturday, April 14th, 2018 at 9 p.m. Eastern. Co-host 
Yeah, this is the Aquatic Wetline, a tropical fish-keeping show brought to you by Aqua Alex in Springfield, Massachusetts. Let's get back to the tropical fish chat right now. <laughs> Happy Easter, tropical fish keepers. Welcome back to a special Good Friday an Easter weekend special of the Aquatic Wetline. If you are just tuning in now, you missed out on the discussion of Easter-themed fish, the Easter bunny of the fish world, and treats to give your fish for Easter. But don't worry, you can re-listen to the show once the show archives about 20 minutes after the show ends, and you can enjoy the first half. So right now, let's get back to our final two topics, setting up a pond and fun off-topic Easter chat. It's springtime, and that means it's time to set up our ponds. One of my favorite things in the aquarium hobby is a koi in a goldfish pond. Although, honestly, I have yet to set one up in my life, I do plan on having a pond, and it's going to have... Uh, goldfish koi, and maybe even some, uh, maybe even a paku and some plecos in it. It's going to be a cool pond when I do set one up. So I'm going to begin talking about setting up a pond, stocking it, and then I'll talk about the perfect fish for said pond. Here are some tips for opening your pond. Now, if you already have a pond that's been sitting out since winter, these tips are going to be beneficial to you. Remove as much debris as possible. If you leave sludge build up in the pond, it will decay into a food source for new algae growth. Once the ice has melted away or you begin to see activity from your fish, remove as much debris from the pond as possible by hand or using a pond net. It's best to manually remove as much debris as possible and allow the cool weather bacteria to assist with the rest. We recommend using cold water bacteria, such as spring clean, to assist in removing the smaller debris that has collected. If you live in a warmer client that does not experience freezing, keep the pond fish from debris as frequently as necessary. Now, in cold states like Massachusetts, uh, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Maine, and other cold areas of the United States, and even in Canada, fish in your pond need to be removed in winter. That way they don't die of freezing cold temperatures. So get a large tank, like a six-foot tank, during the winter and store them in there until April. Then you could add the fish back into the pond in spring. 
Next thing you want to do after you remove the debris from your pond is begin operating your filtration system. Add the mats and nets back into your skimmer box and add the mats and biological media back into the waterfall box. Install your pond pump or skimmer. When the pond water is up to around 45 to 50 degrees, installing your pond pump or skimmer will help circulate and oxygenate the water and clear, and clear up the pond. Most warm climate areas may have operated their pumps throughout the colder months. If you've been operating an aerator, continue to do so as this will help keep oxygen levels high. Add beneficial bacteria. Once your temperature reaches once your water temperature reaches 50 degrees, add a beneficial bacteria to jumpstart your biological filtration such as pond cleaner and prime. Continue this on a regular basis throughout the summer. Put plants back around the pond. Bring any hardy plants that may have been stored on the pond's bottom back to their correct spots so that they may begin to grow. Once you see new growth from the plants, it's a good time to fertilize. Change the pond water. Early spring is a great time to perform a water change. It is recommended that you do at least a 50% water change at this time. You could also do more if you wish, but if you're going to do more than 75% of the water, then be sure to acclimate the fish back into the pond appropriately. If you are adding water that contains chlorine, like most city water supply, you will need to add a dechlorinator like Purify. Don't have a pond? Want one? Here, let me tell you how to set up a pond. Steps for building a pond. The first thing to consider is to decide what type of pond you want to build. You should consider what type of aquatic life you want in the pond. Is it going to be a home for goldfish or koi? Or is your main concern for the aquatic plants? Perhaps you only want the pond for the sound of a waterfall. Each type of pond will need to be planned for its specific features. Keep in mind that the most common mistake water gardeners say they made when building their first pond was making it too small. A small pond limits the number of fish and plants that you can add. Koi pond. A koi pond is different from a water garden because koi limit the amount of plant life available to be growing. Simply put, koi eat plants. A koi pond should also be larger because koi get quite large despite the size of the pond. It is recommended that a koi pond be no less than 1,000 gallons in volume. The bigger the better. It also needs to have an area of the pond at least three feet deep, four or five is better. A water garden typically contains both goldfish and a variety of aquatic plants. Water gardens in moderate climates usually need for an area of the pond to be at least two feet deep. Colder climates require a depth to provide at least 12 to 16 inches of water below the freeze zone. The second step in establishing a new pond is to select the proper location. Most ponds will be enjoyed more if they are installed close to the home. Select an area where you can see the pond year-round. Ponds are great attractors of wildlife, 
including birds and butterflies. Position the pond where runoff from rain will not flow into the pond. This may carry fertilizers, chemicals, and organic debris into the pond. It may be necessary to alter the terrain to accommodate this. Avoid placing a pond too close to trees. Falling weeds and other debris will need to be removed from the pond often. You will want to place your pond where it will receive at least four to six hours of direct sun if you want to grow water lilies. Shade is fine for fish-only ponds. Water circulation is not essential, but the use of a pump will allow you to keep more fish. It will keep your plants healthier. A pump is required to run a filter, fountain, or waterfall. The sound of running water adds greatly to the enjoyment of the pond. Most ponds will benefit from the use of a biological filter. This is essential if you are keeping koi or more than a few goldfish. Now, for for me, I personally think of a pond as a freshwater version of a saltwater tank because you can have just a fish-only pond with goldfish and things of that nature, and then you can have uh, a goldfish pond with plants, almost like a reef aquarium. So that is pretty cool. If you can't afford a saltwater tank, then you could do a pond. Next, you need to determine the size of your pond or water garden. The best way to do this is to use a rope or a water hose and lay out the shape on the ground. A pond for goldfish or water lilies need be only about two feet deep for zones five or greater. Ponds built in colder areas may need more depth to keep the pond from freezing solid. Ponds built for koi should be close to three feet or deeper to allow these larger fish enough space. The biggest mistake that people make is building the pond or water garden too small. A larger pond is more stable and easier to maintain. Keep in mind that a finished pond or water garden will be about 30% smaller than you visualize. After you have laid out the shape, measure the maximum length and width. Add the, deep, add the depth twice to these measurements plus a foot or two for overlap, and this will give you the pond liner size. Dig the pond or water garden to the desired shape. If keeping plants, dig a shelf around the perimeter of the pond about one foot deep and one or more feet wide. Dig the remainder of the pond with a slight slope to the end opposite the waterfall if one is included in the design. Position any external pond filters and or pond skimmers and level these in their proper location. Pond skimmers should be buried to the proper level beside the pond. A ditch should be dug for the plumbing from the pond to the waterfall or external pond filter. If a pond skimmer is being used, dig a ditch to the external pond pump and from the pump to the external pond filter or waterfall. 
If you're using a submersible pump in the pod skimmer, then the ditch will be from the skimmer to the external pump filter or waterfall. Lines the pond or water garden excavation with pond underlayment. This can be cut with scissors or a utility knife. You may want to tape any small pieces together to keep them from moving when the pond liner is placed. Place the rubber pond liner into the excavation and unfold. Position the liner evenly in the pond. Try to minimize folds and wrinkles, but some will be necessary. After the water is added, the, the folds should flatten out. Pond water fills, waterfalls, and streams can be excavated now. An external pond filter or waterfall tank can be positioned to create the first waterfall. This can be placed to spill directly into the pond, in which case the pond liner is held against the pond filter until you are able to stack stone from the pond shelf up against the pond filter to create a waterfall. All right. So the next step after that is to decide how to decorate your pond and add edging to your ponds and stuff like that. And I do plan on uh, doing a show with a very special guest on ponds, and he's going to talk to you about that, and he's going to give you his expert advice on setting up a pond. As I said earlier, I'm not an expert in ponds at all. I have yet to have one. I'm just sharing some information that I got for him and uh, from online. So after you have after you have decorated your pond, it's time to add the chlorinator to the pond to remove any chlorine. And it's also important to add prime and other beneficial bacteria to your pond. Add aquatic plants as soon as possible. Many aquatic plants are great at using up the nutrients that would otherwise feed the algae. Some of the most effective plants include anarchus, water, Honestly, parrot's feather, and bacapa. Water, will, water, will, uh, water lilies and other plants with surface levels can be added to provide shade to approximately 66% of the surface area if in full sun. Begin regular use of a packaged bacteria to seed the pond filter and help maintain a clean and healthy pond. Ideally, fish should be added a few at a time over several weeks to allow the bacteria to establish in your water garden. Now, what kind of fish can I put in my pond? The supply of fish types for a pond is enormous, ranging from goldfish, gold orphies, sturgeon, to koi carps, and more. However, what types of fish do you choose for your pond? When making a choice, you should reckon with the qualities of various fish types. There are fish which dig the bottom, fish which eat, fish which eat plants, fish which are nearly invisible because of their camouflage, and fish which propagate at lightning speed. You can bring different kinds of fish together. In principle, any type of pond fish can be brought together with any other type. Surface fish. Surface fish are fish which search feed at the pond surface and not on the bottom. 
Therefore, you see these fish species swim better. Moreover, they do not make a mess of your pond. However, they need additional protection against a threatening commodity like a hungry heron or a cat. Eye-catching fish. Fish in, fish in natural water often have a camouflage, which protects them against herons and different enemies. In a pond, you should rather introduce fish with an eye-catching color. After all, you want to see your fish. Protection can be applied in many different ways, including a pond liner net. Now, here are some fish that you can add to your pond. Goldfish. Any of the fancier goldfish work? Um, you want to you want to use the original ones. Don't go for the fancier ones like the Ryukins and stuff like that, because they often fall victim to birds. Koi, shabunkin, sunfish, plecos, channel catfish, largemouth bass, and native fish. So, will you be setting up a pond? And I hope if you are, my information has helped you. Okay, for the first time in a, a long time here on Aquatic Wetline, we're going to have an off-topic discussion here on Aquatic Wetline, and it's because it's for a special reason, because it is Easter after all, it's a holiday, so we have to have some fun. Now, for Easter, I'm going to be staying home this year. For the last couple of years, I've been going out to eat at restaurants, but this year we decided to stay home. And we're going to have a nice home-cooked meal with our family. Now, I'm going to be making um, a prime rib with a delicious au jus. And, of course, my mom and my grandmother are making all their wonderful food, but I can't wait to have prime rib and au jus. I also am a big fan of Easter candy, and I have to say my personal favorite Easter candy would be the white chocolate Reese's eggs and also um, Twix, and I also like Peeps, but I only eat a few Peeps because the rest of them are just way too sweet. So I have a question for all of you guys. What does your favorite Easter candy say about you and your personality? What are your favorite candy? Let's find out. If you gave up candy or chocolate for Lent at some point in your life, you know just how exciting it is to receive an Easter basket filled with limited edition treats. There are peeps, obviously, but also many variations of Cadbury eggs, Whoppers malted eggs, and jelly beans. You can learn a lot about a person based on what they go for first in their basket, their favorite candy. Fess up. What's your favorite candy for Easter? Make a decision and listen to see what it says about you. Peeps. If you're a Peeps fan, you're a dreamer. You float on a cloud way above the rest of the world, and you don't ever care to come down. Growing up, you probably were a little awkward in school, but had a good group of friends. You love graphic design and live for bold patterns in your home. You think about traveling a lot and exploring new places, but things like your job and your pets keep you in place. Lint Gold Bunny. You are a boss amongst your friend group, and you don't like to mess around. Funny, smart, and bold. You don't have time for any filler. 
Putting on an expensive-looking suit fits you. You are born to reign. What people might not recognize immediately is that you really have a soft side. You're more than your shell. Let people know this side of you. Jelly beans. You're creative and goofy, and you live and work in an environment that nurtures these qualities. You have a lot of energy, which can be contagious to your family and friends. You're really into yoga right now because it calms your 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 anxious energy. Crow pose is your favorite because it, it took you forever to nail it, and it just looks super badass. Cadbury mini eggs. You might not know it, but you're a tastemaker. You've probably you're probably a part-time writer with strong stances on politics and feminism. People listen to you when you talk. You're obsessed with Twitter and love having conversations with strangers to pick their brain. Cadbury cream eggs. You're full of grace and glory. Stand tall, my friend, and become the warrior you were meant to be. You might have been class president in high school or worked on the yearbook at least. You like being in charge and you do it so effortlessly. Someday in the future, you hope to start a vegetable garden. You love the idea of watching things grow. <laughs> Reese's peanut butter eggs. You love being active, especially outside. Whether it's playing sports, taking a long walk, or going on a bike ride across the country, you're game for it all. You hate the idea of sitting at a desk for nine hours straight and are probably an entrepreneur as a result. You try to get funded on a Kickstarter for this awesome water bottle you invented, but you didn't get enough money to be backed. Crunch nest eggs. You might be a little shy, but it's not because you're boring. You're full of secrets that people would love to hear. You're very loyal to your couple close friends, but you don't see them very often. You'd much rather play chess at home by yourself than go out to a bar on a Friday night. Cadbury caramel eggs. You're such a cool kid. You're the kind of person who is always doing interesting things and rocks it on Instagram. Everyone is probably jealous of you. You know where all the cool places to eat are before they're actually cool. You read underground magazines that no one has heard of, and you go on adventures by yourself all the time. Whoppers mini robin eggs. You are very giving and nurturing. You're the one person to go to when people have had a bad day or need some advice. Your general outlook on life is very positive. Things don't really get you down. You are humble but have big ideas about things. Don't be afraid to share this side of yourself with the people you love. And finally, Hershey's candy-coated milk chocolate eggs. You have a deep old soul that is filled with tradition. You like keeping to a schedule and making to-do lists so you can cross off your accomplishments each day. You have one dog that is your best friend, and you like running with him in the park near your home. Your favorite day is Sunday. The candy-coated chocolate eggs from Hershey sound like me, but I've never, ever tried them before. How interesting. But like I said, my favorite candy is um, the white chocolate Reese's eggs. All right, folks, that is our Easter special. I hope you guys are um, 
enjoying tonight's show. We're going to wrap up the show right after this, folks. Aquatic Wetline is brought to you by YourFishStuff.com. YourFishStuff.com provides hobbyists with quality homemade fish food and aquarium supplies. The Your Fish Stuff difference. Buy direct and save. Buy direct from Your Fish Stuff. No middleman, no food masses produced by large corporations, no food sitting around in warehouses. Just fresh, healthy food from Your Fish Stuff to you. Quality ingredients like fish meal, shrimp, squid, kelp, spirulina, and corella allergy. Doesn't cloud water. And all of their fish food is made fresh, crafted in small batches, hobbyists owned and operated. And all of their fish food is made right here in the good old U.S. of A. So check out yourfishstuff.com for quality fish food and aquarium equipment such as nets, filters, medications, and more. That's www.yourfishstuff.com, a proud sponsor of Aquatic Wetline. All right, fish keepers, I would like to thank you for tuning in to this very special episode of Aquatic Wetline. I hope you have a great rest of your Friday night and a great Easter weekend. And I want, uh, I would like to invite you to check out my show tomorrow night, Aquatic Wetline Aquatic Trivia Game. Eight contestants enter. Only two walk out, the very first Aquatic Wetline champions. That's tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on Aquatic Wetline. Join me, Aqua Alex, if I have eight contestants on. And only two walk out as the Aquatic Wetline Champions. We'll see you tomorrow night. Happy Easter, everybody. Have a great Easter and good night. This episode of the Aquatic Wetline has concluded. Aqua Alex thanks you for listening to his show. Please check out Aquatic Wetline Fish Keeping Podcast on Facebook and hit like for tropical fish facts and more. Feel free to reach Aqua Alex at AquaticWetline at Outlook.com with any tropical fish questions. Your questions may make the show. Good night.